0: Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the Kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. You got your Bibles, 2 Peter. We're starting a brand new series. Uh, Our summer series is going to be walking us through the book of 2 Peter. And I want to put a title on this series that I'll be hitting over and over again the next few weeks, simply called, It's an inside job. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them it's an inside job? Did you know the enemy? Jesus tells us that the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you know how the how the enemy wants to kill, to steal, and destroy from your life? Most of what he does to wreak havoc in our lives personally and our family, he doesn't so much always attack us on the outside. Where does he usually attack us? On the inside. In the same way, when God transforms our lives, He doesn't transform our life from the outside in. He transforms us from the inside out. Have you ever tried to change your life from the outside in? You ever tried to just put on a facade? You just try to put on, you know, you try to, uh, well, you know, I want people to I want to live life better, so I'm going to dress better, I'm going to drive better, I'm going to talk better, I'm going to give better, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to do all these things, they're they're kind of outward activities. But, but you start down that road, and, and eventually the, heart, the house of cards fall because you were trying to change your life from the outside in instead of the inside out. Can I tell you what God wants to do for each of us is continually change us. Notice that word I just said, continually. Would you say that word with me, continually? God wants to continually change us. Every day, Jesus wants to change us from being less like us becoming more like Him. So many times we have butchered the Word of God, if I can say that. We have butchered the salvation experience and definition by believing that giving our lives to Christ was a decision we made 20 years ago. And when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I got a stamp on my heart and the work of God was finished. Well, can I tell you, in that moment you did become saved. And I'm getting towards the end of the message in the beginning, but you can stick with me. You did become saved in that moment, and there's nothing you can do to become more saved than you were in that moment, but can I tell you, there is a continual transformation that Jesus wants to do in you and in me, and if you woke up this morning, that's just an indicator that He's not done with you, and He's not done with me, and this job He's doing on us is not an outside job. It's an inside job. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, let's look at our text this morning. His divine power starts in verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. This is a, you might want to underline this. If you have like a real live Bible, you might want to underline this. This is a great scripture. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through, that's a huge word, through our knowledge of Him who's called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. How many ever had to fight an evil desire? Okay, there's about five of us in the room that are really honest, and the rest of you, I guess, are either dishonest or so super spiritual you've never had to fight it before. Wow! Well, if that's you, please write a book and help the rest of us. But, but, but some of us, we know what it's like to have to fight evil desires, but this scripture says that through His very great and precious promises, that we can participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption that the world that's caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness. Verse 7. And to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities. Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm into this whole continuing thing. Okay, well, here's it. here it is. If you possess these qualities, look at these next two words, in increasing measure. Two key words right there. Increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a mouthful. Let's pray. Father, help me today. Apart from you, I can do absolutely nothing. The last thing this church needs is, is another word from me, but God, we all need words from you, so help me today to speak what you want spoken, help us to hear, despite any ineffectiveness of a pastor or a preacher, help us hear the voice of the Holy Spirit above and between and through it all, so that we can hear the word of God and it will speak the life into me and each of us that we need it to speak into today. And we commit ourselves to responding to whatever the Holy Spirit would say to us through the Scripture today, allowing you to transform us into your image. And we'll give you thanks. Everybody in the room said amen. There's a few eye-opening, jaw-dropping, attention-grabbing statements in this Scripture to me. The first thing that makes my eyes a little bit wider open than normal is the fact that God says that we have... His divine power inside of us. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like I have God sized, God ordained power inside of me. Sometimes I feel like the world is on top of me instead of me being on top of the world. Sometimes I feel like the the, the power that's against me is greater than the power inside of me. But scripture says that if we are Christ followers that there resides inside of us a greater power in us than the power that's in the world. He says we are recipients of divine power. Secondly, he says something even more, more mind blowing to that. He said that you have access to divine nature power is about your ability to do stuff nature is about who you are and it says that your very nature is being transformed and changed because of who lives inside of you now how many of you say there's some things about me that i understand need to change Right There's some nature in me that needs to change. But I, I can just tell you, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but most of us are only aware of about, I don't know, maybe 20% of the nature that really needs to change. There's a lot more that needs to change about us than we normally fess up to or even aware of. But the Word says that through His promises, that not only does our nature change, we begin to discover the nature of God, the nature of His heart towards us. And then the third thing that kind of catches my attention that I'm going to talk more about, almost let the cat out of the bag a few minutes ago, is he says there is some supplemental work for us to do after we receive salvation so that we can taste all of the goodness that God has for us in our life. In all of this, by the way, none of it is a a job for us to do from the outside in. It's all an inside job. So this morning, I want to talk about how can we participate in the divine nature that God wants to place inside of us or has placed inside of us? How can we expand that divine power that he wants active inside of us? How can we add to our lives all these things the Lord says, if you'll add those to you, they're going to make you more productive, more effective, a greater legacy, a greater impact on the world than you've ever had before? How can we... How can we Allow this inside job to begin. These are three very simple points straight from Scripture, but I want to make sure we understand them this morning. The first one is this, is we have to deeping, deepen our knowledge of Jesus. Listen to this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. Our knowledge of Jesus calls us, and I would even say demands, a higher level of living. And when I speak about knowledge, I'm not talking about facts. I'm not talking about, you know how many days Noah was on the ark. You know how, much, how old Methuselah led to be. You know the names of Lot's daughters. I'm not talking about these factoids that some of us learned in JBQ or Kids Church. Those, those are very, very wonderful to know when I'm talking about knowledge, I'm talking about not just a head knowledge of God, but a heart knowledge of God. You know Him, your relationship with Him. I heard one person say that I almost missed the kingdom of God by 18 inches. The reason he said that is because there's about 18 inches between your head and your heart. And we have to make sure that our knowledge of God is not just a head knowledge, but it's an applied heart knowledge. As well that we are in a relationship with the father. you know our, our, uh, my wife and I have been married for 23 years, and if you were to ask me if I know my wife, I could be giving you I could give you some information that you could confirm with a quick Google search. right? I could give you her, uh, her date of birth, I could give you. Her, uh, her place of birth, I could give you which high school she graduated from, I could give you most of the numbers of her social security number, sometimes I'm kind of fuzzy on that one. I could tell you her FICO score, I could tell you her grade point average, which was a 4.0 by the way in her areas of study, I'm married to a smart girl, I could tell you what her area of degree was study. I could, and all this stuff would be factual about her. But how many would say, would understand that those don't really indicate that I've spent 23 years of my life with her? The fact that you can just get online and confirm a lot of that stuff. If I was going to tell you what I know from knowing her, it would be more. Personal things like the fact that I, that, that I know that as, uh, that as gifted and talented and as anointed as I believe she is as she does an effective job in leading us in worship, since I know her, and some of you've picked up on this, I know that every Sunday she wishes we would take this banner and put it in front of her keyboard because she really doesn 't like to be in the spotlight. I know that because I know her I know that she is kind and faithful and good. I know that she loves her kids. I know that, that there's certain things about her that she, I know she can't go to sleep at night with, with dishes in the sink. And I can. <laughs> I, I'm just saying there, there's not, so when I talk about having a knowledge of God, I'm not just talking about informational knowledge. I'm talking about transformational knowledge. Knowledge that, that says we've been with Jesus. You know, our Heavenly Father, you can scan the the Old Testament, the New Testament, and he found some wonderful things. I believe God wants us to, to read his word and discover his heart. For, for him because what he's done for other people, how he's rescued other people, saved other people, delivered other people, how he's gone to great extremes to show up in other people's lives. It, it's a picture of what he has done for others, what he wants to do for you. It's a, it's a picture of the heartbeat of God. But I want to tell you that God does not want your information of him to always be secondhand knowledge. He wants you to know him personally, to know the power of his resurrection in his life so this series is called it's an inside job because he wants us to know the power we can have inside of him you and i have been have received an invitation to know him peter's letting us know that there is more to this life than just what we can produce if we will get to know him there's more powerful power available to him to you if you will allow yourself to get to know Him. And the way you get to know Him is not just knowing more about Him. It is actually trusting Him enough to base your life on the information stated. I feel like sometimes we've, we've dumbed down what it means to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, we think that, I even hear people say, well, I believe in Jesus. And you would think they're proclaiming to believe in the tooth fairy. Or I believe in Santa Claus. I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. Because our definition of belief is is just like like we admit that something or someone existed. But how many understand that to believe in Jesus doesn't mean to believe that he lived. It doesn't even mean to just believe that he died. It doesn't even mean to believe that he rose again. Those are incredible things to believe. And, and a hurdle for some people to believe as well. But to believe in Jesus means that you actually believe what he professed. And that you actually believe, you could say it this way, you believe in what Jesus believed in. You believe in his word to the point that you don't just know it, you practice it. That's what it means to, to, to believe. And he's given all of us this inside track, To change us from the inside out. And and he says two two really important things that's hard to believe. He says, it is through this knowledge of him that he's given us all we need for life. So even though when I feel like I am in my greatest point of need, Jesus is all I need. Right? Right? Even when I feel like I don't have any help available or anywhere else to go, there resides inside of me the person of Jesus who can help me when no one else can help me. He's given me all I need. So any moment you feel like, I don't have what it takes for this life. If you're a Jesus follower, that is not true. Because in Him, you have all that you need. And it's through our knowledge of Him, our relationship with Him, that 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 need begins to be met. But it doesn't just say He has all you need. He also says for life and for godliness. And that term godliness simply means to become more like Him and less like Him. I'm sorry, less like us, more like Him. He's getting bigger, I'm getting smaller. He's being seen more, I'm getting seen less. And he says he's given us all I need for life, but he's also given us all I need to become like him. I've told people before, if you don't like what, I, if you, don't like what you see in me, just stick around. Because I'm committed to changing. Not to please you, but to please God. And here's what I know. To please God requires change on my part. You picking that up? To please God, to live for Him, He is... He is daily refining us. The, the biblical or the, the, the Christianese word we use for that is sanctification. We are every day becoming less and less like Him, more or less and less like ourselves, more and more like Him. And knowledge and, rec- and relationship creates this inward desire that eventually affects our outward desire. So, number one, if we're going to allow the Lord to do this inside job that produces the power and the nature that produces. Our, our needs being met and our lives being affected the first thing is we have to deepen our knowledge of Him number two, we have to leverage the promises of God he says through these in verse 4, He's given us very great and very precious in just a minute I'm going to talk about why His promises are great and why they're precious but listen to this, so that through them, through claiming the promises of God you may participate In the divine nature, and escape the corruption. Listen, the promises of God are not something that I believe are optional for believers to to know and to claim and to reach for. I, I believe they're necessary. You know, Joshua said this about the promises of God in chapter 23, 14. He said, no matter how many promises of God that there's been given to us, he said, the Lord has fulfilled every single one of them. I want to paint this picture for this morning. Promises are the doorway to God's power and to God's nature. And if you blind yourself or you allow yourself to be ignorant of the promises of God, you may blind yourself to some of the change, the transformation, and the blessing that God wants to do in you and through you. When I was in kids' church, my kid's pastor told me this story, and yes, I've been sitting on this story for a long time. I, I, I don't know if it was true or... I, I don't know. It's been, it's been a minute. But my kid's pastor told me the story of a, of a very wealthy man who was a God-fearing Christ follower who had a very rebellious son that wanted nothing to do with God and wanted nothing to do with his father. And there. The, the activity of the son became so um, pronounced that through, through their lives, the, the father and the son eventually became very estranged and, and didn't even speak to each other the last several years of, of their life until father, finally the father passed away. The son received news that, hey, you got to come and settle accounts. The estate is being dealt with. and So they showed up. It wasn't a grand deal. He went to an attorney's office, and the attorney said, Listen, I've had to deal with your father's estate, and everything he's left you is in this envelope. And he gave the young man an envelope. It was just a, you know, vanilla envelope, manila envelope, just you know, yellow, whatever cardstock-looking stuff. And he took it out, and in that envelope was simply a copy of his, was just his dad's Bible. No money, just, no, no, just, just, the Bible. And the son was so disheartened that he went home. He threw the Bible on the shelf and he kept living his life, mad at God, mad at his dad because he felt like he'd been slighted. His dad had left him out in the cold. He expected to receive something. He received nothing except for his dad's Bible. Years went by and one day out of desperation, the young man was in a low point. He went and he grabbed that Bible. He thought, maybe my dad wrote something between the pages of Scripture. Maybe there's something, some bit of wisdom I can find from my dad, though I'm in this low point. And he opened up the word of God his dad had left him. And sure enough, between the columns of the Bible, between scriptures, his dad had left hundreds of notes of, of things that God had spoken to him. And he began to read those notes his dad had spoken to him years, years earlier. And as he was thumbing through the Bible, he noticed that right in the middle of the Bible, there was one more envelope that he didn't know existed. And he opened the envelope, and there was the document that, res- that let him know that everything his dad owned belonged to him. His dad had left him everything, but he lived years of his life with no knowledge of the ownership or the benefit because he refused to open the Word of God. Can I tell you, you and I, that could be a picture of us. Whether that story is true or not, I believe it is an effective picture of our life when we allow ourselves to be blind to the promises of His Word. Because it's through His promises, that's what the Word says, through these precious and great promises, we get to participate in something that we cannot participate in without the promise. The promise is the invitation. The promise is the ticket. The promise is our right to show up and experience a type of life in this life and the next life that we can never experience without them. I'm just saying, too often, I believe we live below what our Father has provided for us because we don't grab a hold of the promises of God. One person said it like this, Jesus did not just rescue us from hell, but He also invites us to participate in His grace and His power here on earth. Amen? The power of our life lies in our ability of grabbing hold of the promises of God. And, and Peter says this. He says, Those pow- these promises, they're great and they're precious. Do you know what makes God's power, His promises great? Because they're spoken by Him. How many understand the power of a promise? It is, it's found in the ability of the person who gives the promise to fulfill it. If I come down here and I tell Dylan, listen, I'm going to give you a brand new Mercedes this afternoon. He's doing this, but I think he knows me well enough. I don't have one of those to give you today. And if I did have one, I'm not sure I'd give it to you. Not because I don't love you, but I mean, I'd probably just have one. So, so my promise to him may not be very effective because I don't have to give what I told him I was going to give him. That's what makes God's promises great is that He has the power and the ability to fulfill every promise He makes. That's why His promises are great. Well, what makes His promises precious? What makes His promises precious is not only does He have the power to give them, but what makes them precious is that they're given to us. See, if I were great enough to give Dylan that new car, It wouldn't help you. It would be a precious promise to him because I promised it to him. But it wouldn't be that great to you. I mean, you would have, oh, lucky him. Oh, to be him. Right? but it wouldn't be that precious to you but see God's promises are great and they're precious because he has the power and the heart to give it but you are the you are the audience or you are the object in which he is wanting to pour out the fulfillment of those promises in your life they're precious because they're yours when i look at my kids i think my kids are very precious Have you ever seen a kid, maybe at a restaurant, that's being a little bit too loud, throwing their food a little bit too close to your table, and maybe you're just carnal enough that you wondered did they kind of start to lose their preciousness to you a little bit in that moment? You know when that happens? Because they're not yours. But when it's your kid's, are your, you know, If your grandkid takes the mashed potatoes and throws it across the room and sticks it to the window, you're like, look at the arm on that sucker. <laughs> you're proud. Why? Because they're yours. That's why God's promises are great, because he has the power to fulfill them, and they're precious because they're yours. Let me just ask you a question. Are you treating God's promises like they're yours or like they're someone else's? I'm afraid God's promises aren't that precious to us because we treat them like they belong to someone else. When Peter says, "No, no, no, this is an inside job and it belongs to you," promises of God—they're their invitation to have our lives changed from the inside out. Their invitation to experience power we don't have. They're also—this is pretty huge for me. God says, Peter says that God's promises are an antidote. To the world's corruption. Did you catch that? He said, if you pursue them and keep them in an increasing manner, not that you once upon a time saw the promise of God, believed the promise of God, and thought, okay, did that, done that, bought the t shirt. No, no. You are actively pursuing it, then that becomes an antidote to the world's corruption taking place in us. Now, Listen, I don't think that Peter is propagating a way to live a sin proof life. I wish, or are, are a fail proof life. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that Peter's saying if you'll follow the promises of God, you'll never have a hiccup, you'll never stumble, you'll never fall. But he does. How me understand there's a difference? Maybe I'm helping somebody this morning, maybe I'm just helping myself, but how many understand there's a difference between falling and spiritual failure? Those are not the same thing. Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he doesn't fail; he gets back up. Some some of you have, have have put a you've clothed yourself as a spiritual failure. When you're not a failure, you just fail, right? But it's through these precious promises that says, you know what, though I fail, the promise of God is still still for me, it's still for my family, it's still for my children, it's still for my life, so I'm going to get back up, take a hold of the promise of God until I see it come to fruition in my life. Number three. Megan, if you want to come. Number three, third way God does this inside job. Is when we decide that we're gonna grow our faith. Look at verse number five. For this reason, make every effort. This scripture really has it just really messed me up, okay? To make every effort to add to your faith goodness and the goodness knowledge. Then he spends the next few minutes talking about all these other things that you gotta add to your faith. And that really messes with me because I'm I'm one of these. I just really believe in the sufficiency of of Jesus. When Jesus said, I'm clean, I'm clean. When Jesus rescued from my sin, he rescued me from my sin. I, I can't become more saved than I was at the moment I got saved. He instantly, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removed my trespasses from me. And here comes Brother Peter saying, now add to your faith all these things. Well, He's not telling us these things. Not telling us to add these things so we can become more saved. He's telling us to add these things, not as outward adornments, but letting the Lord work them out through us, so that we can become. Here's the word that Paul or Peter used. He says, "More effective." The word I like to use instead. I don't think I'm doing disgrace to the Word of God, so that we can become more fruitful. How many understand that God's called us to be fruitful? You have been called to become fruitful. And I think we're all smart enough to understand that you can be, you can be saved and barren, spiritually speaking, or you can be saved and fruitful. And I, I know I'm preaching at the end here, but let me just tell you, there's too many people, churches, churches, ministries, especially in, the American, in, our, in our nation today, that that's just, they're satisfied to just let me hunker in the bunker and make it to heaven safely. When God's called us to do more than that, He's called us to produce fruit. By the way, that fruit is supposed to remain. And the way we, we produce fruit that remains is we have to be continually growing in our faith personally someone once told me that you teach what you know but you reproduce what you are and so if what i want to produce for my life is someone who has growing faith fruitful faith, then faith that i must first be fruitful myself pastor i'm not sure i believe all that i understand But Paul thought the same thing. That's why 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this in verse number 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather, listen to this, train yourself to be godly. Titus chapter 2, teaching about the grace of God. He says in verse 12, he says the grace of God teaches us. It's an inside job, right? The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So becoming like Jesus doesn't happen by osmosis. You can't just sleep with the Bible under your pillow on top of your head and think that's how you're going to get the Word in your heart. No, no, you've got to apply it. <clears throat> let me try to finish up this in a way that makes sense. I know this is summertime, but let me mention it. Enrolling in school will make you a student, right? Right? But enrolling in school does not make you educated. Right? So when, when the Lord says to add to your faith, to grow, you got you got to grow. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective or unproductive. They'll keep you being fruitful in the things of God. We've been called to have a growing faith. And I'll finish this way. Peter goes on to say, if if you don't have a growing faith and you're okay with it, then that speaks to us about something. It speaks that we've forgotten how far God has brought us. We have forgotten how precious his promise is to us. See, growing growing your faith. Do you have A, B, and C in your notes? Okay, I know. If I don't give them these to you, some of you are not going to be able to sleep tonight. So here, let me give them to you real quickly. A, growing your faith births productivity. It makes you fruitful. B, growing your faith or refusing to grow. It exposes the condition of my heart. Verse 9 says, those who fail to develop this way are short-sighted or blind. C, growing your faith prevents spiritual failure. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, I am in desperate need of an inside job. My outward adornment will never be a substitute for an inward surrender to you and your way. Lord, continually, every day, fresh and new, do an inside job on me. I want to please you and not just myself. I want to please you and not just people. I want to become more like you and not just like a better version of me. I want, to be, I want to be like you. And all that's an inside job. God, I need it. I need it. If you need it this morning, would you just cry out to him? Help me, Jesus. So I know how to pray when it comes to this message. Help me, Jesus. Lord, help me, search me, try me, see if there's anything in my life on the inside. Lord, ignore the outside for just a moment. Lord, just show me on the inside if there's an attitude that doesn't please you, a thought process that is, that is keeping me bound. If there's, Lord, if there's a behavior I need to change, not because someone said so, but because it grieves the Spirit of God. Lord, just show me this morning. Show me, Lord. And I'll be so careful to surrender it Allow you to change it, and lead me forward into a new place. Lord do an inside work on me. Secondly, this morning, I want to pray, I want to ask everybody, just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed for just a moment, just provide a safe space for someone who maybe this may be very awkward for them. You say, I need Jesus to become. my Savior. I need, I need to start following Jesus. I need Him to begin an inside job on my life. I know, I know I'm not right with God. I know that I'm broken inside, and, and maybe for reasons you cannot explain, you also know that He is the only one that can heal you and fill you and restore you and give you a life that's abundant, and not because people have even taught you that. Just because you know that the Spirit of God is, is drawing you this morning and you don't know all the answers, that's okay. You don't have to know the answers. But if you, if you know today, you're far from God, and for the first time in your life, you need to come, you want to come near to him. We would love to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward and embarrass you. I just wanted to pray, pray for you today. Would you just lift, lift a hand real quick? Let's be, Pastor, pray for me. Amen, amen. Father, I pray for my friends this morning that lifted their hand. Lord, they're far from you but they're keenly aware they're far from you and they need an inside job. I'm thankful this morning that you can do what man can't do. You can do what we can't do. Lord, you can take each of us who is far from you and draw us near to the heart of the Lord. What you're looking for is someone who will simply call out to you, express their need for you, express their belief in you, not just that you existed, but Lord, that you You lived, you died, you rose again, but you are presently here to minister to them, lead them. And they are committing this morning that they're going to live their life, commit their life from this day forward to be a Jesus follower. God, I pray as people are making that decision today, that they would walk it out. But Lord, I also pray they would share it with a friend, share it with a minister, share it with someone who can help them walk out a new life for you. Lord, give them the boldness and courage to live out their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you join me by standing today? The next few weeks, I'm just going to continue talking about the inside job. Here's what I know. Most of our struggles is an inside attack of the enemy trying to get us to walk away, abort the plan of God. And I'm just going to say, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. Father. Father. Bless the people today. Lord, bless them. Keep them. Let your face shine upon them. Give them peace and joy both now and forever. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Give the Lord a hand clap for his word today. We love you, Jesus. Have a wonderful week. If you're a first-time guest, I'd love to greet you and meet you on your way out today. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.